Welcome to Porter Wright's Antitrust Law Source. Good afternoon. This is Jay Levine, your host of Antitrust Law Source. Uh, I'm here joined by one of my colleagues in the um, healthcare and corporate department, uh, Christina Holch. How are you doing, Christina? I am good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, the topic of our conversation today is going to be sort of data breaches, but specifically kind of HIPAA issues um, with data breaches. And, um, you know... <laughs> We At which point people already stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly hope not. But uh, but you know you know why they stopped listening? Because it's old. They hear about it all the time, and that's that's frightening. It it is it is, and it seemingly there is not a day that goes by without another big breach being reported. And if you take no other lesson being a healthcare provider and working in that arena, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when it's going to hit you. Yeah, uh, which is probably true el- everywhere, but, uh, you know, in healthcare, it's it's just, I mean, it is just scary, the thought of people absolutely knowing some of your most intimate details. It, it's absolutely frightening. And what's even worse about this is um, if you think how... You get a new credit card, right? Your, your credit card information gets gets stolen and you just get a new card in the mail and you, you feel so much better. All fraudul- <laughs> fraudulent charges are getting reversed. And so the, the harm is is not that great other than maybe being a day without your credit card and that may actually not be harmful at all. Right. <laughs> at least not for your bank account. But, uh, and there's always a but, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, for, for healthcare, it, it's very different. Healthcare information, not only is that not something you don't want to share with people, you don't want people to know to what doctor you go, what procedures you had, you don't want that kind of information to be out there. No. But no, I wouldn't, I know for sure. But you don't want that um, you have to think about how long that information stays out there to get back to the credit card. That's quickly resolved. With healthcare, those information, those records have a really long shelf life. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more, but I mean, what what people can do with that sort of information is is further scary. I mean, obviously, there's, there's always... Um, ID theft, but but there's more. But let, let's let's also. I mean, there is one other big difference than all these you know retail data breaches you hear about. You know, Target, even Marcus. You know, all over the place. But just the sheer volume of information being stolen, massive, massive I mean, amount. If you have like the Anthem alone, eighty million records stolen, and then. Uh, what UCLA was one of the recent bigger ones, 4.5 million, and thinking that we really only have 300 million people in the U.S., it's pretty close to everybody. You right. can be pretty certain that your records are floating out there in some way, shape, or form without you potentially knowing about it. Yeah, I mean, and and when they when they steal these records and depending on what they're doing with it either copying them or literally stealing them or or that i mean it affects your ability or it could at least potentially affect your ability to to get health care right it uh, and again on on a number of different levels one it could be used for uh, for health care fraud 
where you just apply for coverage and somebody says, no, you can't get it, you're not eligible, based on some um, information that is out there about you that's incorrect. Right. Or it can be you show up, and that's even scarier, you show up at the ER and they look into their electronic uh, health record system and there are maybe some diagnoses in there that you don't have, Some maybe some are missing that would be vital to know for your treatment. So that's a pretty scary thought. Right, and that, and that is why healthcare data breaches do qualitatively differ from, you know, other PII breaches in, in other industries. But there's also another distinction, just the, the cost. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and the, the cost, again, going back to that longer shelf life, healthcare records have such a, such a high black market value where you talk about 50 bucks per record versus maybe a dollar up to five dollars for credit cards so you're going up uh, in um, breach investigation breach remediation costs to easily double the costs of what, what a regular breach would be Right, right. I mean, the fact that it has more value on the black market says something, which, right. you know, probably can go unstated at this point. But, <laughs> but you know, and, and even as you put the remediation, I mean, you know, with a, even a retailer, okay, has to deal with the FBI. Well, so does, you know, a, a healthcare entity. You know, and well, and you will have um, the Department of Health and right. Human Services uh, to account to. They, there will most certainly be an investigation. There's um, the dreaded HIPAA law that applies to all of this. You have to send out notifications, and in part, what makes it so expensive? You think HIPAA? Okay, you're done. It's it's a one for all, but right. you're not. Uh, there's an increasing trend where state laws, state breach notification laws, add medical information to the definition of uh, personal information. Right. And then suddenly you get a breach, 80 million anthem, guess what you're doing next? Yeah, you're, you're sending out a lot of notifications. Well, you're, first of all, you're, uh, you're hiring a lawyer oh. to, to draft. <laughs> How I forgot that. <laughs> to draft a, a fair number of individual yeah. notices that cover what we have, 47 individual state laws right. that are all similar, but non-identical. Yeah. So you have to pay attention to the detail there. Yeah, I and mean, we touched on this actually in our other podcasts as well, that there's a patchwork of data breach notification laws. You know, it's now winding its way. It probably has a, well, I don't want to handicap it, but at least in Congress, the you know the the nationwide breach notification laws look like it's on a more successful trajectory now than it did before. But it, it's not there yet, and and even if we get it, if it's not preemptive, right, it's still not going to help you a whole lot. Then you have that's true HIPAA. A, uh, a federal it just, no it's <laughs> cumulative <laughs> rather than preemptive right right it uh, just adds to the workload more law work more I lawyer know, work I'm sure that's what everybody listening to this podcast wanted to hear right. um, so okay so the, so uh, so there there are there are real qualitatively and quantitative differences between healthcare data breaches and you know financial data breaches uh, we get that okay so now Look, everybody needs to try to protect themselves to the best they can, not only 
because they want to be in a position after the fact to say we did everything we can right. as kind of a substantive defense to a claim by a civil authority or by, you know, you know, maybe even criminal authorities um, and certainly to consumer class actions. But but just generally, what what should healthcare entities think about in trying to protect themselves? Not just because of how it'll work on the back end, because but they don't want to. I mean, they they want to be able to to work effectively and to deal with it effectively, and not just flounder and waste corporate time and resources. So, what what can they do now before the breach? Right. There, are, thankfully, a number of things. Uh, unfortunately, to start out with, you have to be realistic, and it goes back to it's not a question of if. It's a question of when you're going to have a breach. So you cannot think that you can do enough on the front end to prevent a breach altogether. That's just not going to happen. So look at your resources, allocate appropriately, and, and just be be smart about it. Don't don't just ignore it and stick your head in the sand. You you just got to be proactive and it it is expected of everybody who holds um any type of sensitive information nowadays, you have to deal with data security issues and you have to at least make a good faith effort to protect that information. Yeah. I mean, and have a plan. Right. I oh, mean, no. you got to hit the ground running if something happens. Yeah. you. The time you have a breach should not be the time <laughs> you test how well your breach response plan works. Right. So I develop a breach response plan in advance. Know who the go-to person is. Know who the spokespeople are. Know who's getting called. Make right. sure you have their cell numbers. Right, that would be helpful. <laughs> you know, make sure your you know your lawyers are on the ready. I mean, you can have your lawyers help draft this plan. Absolutely. That you know, right. Hopefully, you won't have to use, or you won't have to use right. for a very long time. But you want it to work, and you know, try the drill every once in a while. Oh, you at least annually would be our recommendation, and uh, just to make sure that the people you list in there is responsible are still working for you. Right. And if they're not, then just put whoever took their place and, and update accordingly. This should not be a 50-page document. This should be concise and just really have a pathway that helps you through in the event the breach occurs. Right. And since we are talking about breach, let me just vent about my pet peeve for a moment. Do not talk about a breach until it's actually been determined that you've had a breach. Mm. You have a security incident which you are investigating to determine whether it was a breach or not. And on the good news side of things, more often than not, this is a security incident that does not amount to a breach. You just don't want to run out and announce it to the world that you had a breach when realistically... It doesn't even meet the HIPAA requirements for a breach. And, and let me add the litigator plug in there, too. Uh, don't describe it as such in your internal documents. Right. Um, you know, be very careful and circumspect in how you, I mean, uh, if it's a breach, it's a breach. But until it's it's been forensically determined. Right. And that, even then, I mean, you look at the, the vast majority of the forensic reports. I just looked at one a couple of weeks ago said absolutely nothing. It was entirely inconclusive. Right. So you still have to to do your own analysis and work your way 
painfully as it is through the whole process. Right. So, you know, just just be careful like you are in any of your internal documents because, you know, if there is a subsequent investigation and if there is a subsequent lawsuit um, and you start, you know, crying wolf a little bit too early, um, it will be used against you. And if you cry wolf and it turns out it wasn't um, and then you have some subsequent, you know, issue um they're going to claim that look you didn't do anything you know you you knew you had these 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 insecurities or these insecure procedures and 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 the like so which really segues nicely into what in in my view is the the key piece of any preparation for the breach response plan for just dealing with data security issues altogether. It's employees. It's employee training. It's making people aware that you do not fire off emails saying, oh, my God, we had a breach. That you do train them to use proper terminology, that you train them on HIPAA procedures to make sure they double-check the fax number, that they make sure they only send the five pages that they were supposed to send. It it sounds so silly, but those are really the issues that are causing the biggest headache in this. It's, It's... People get hacked. Of course people get hacked. But that's not nearly as frequent an occurrence as it is employee stupidity, employee lack of engagement, employee laziness, laziness, disgruntled employees. The list can go on and on and on. If anybody's interested, Jay and I will be happy to do a whole segment on just employee stupidity. I mean, you know, secure your laptops. I mean, you know, how many times... Look, the Pentagon has, you know, encrypt your data. Right. Um, you know... Easy, easy fixes for a lot of things. Right. Uh, right. You know, know if an employee is trying to send, uh, send data to his or her Gmail right. address, um, right. you know... And... and um, don't approach it as an obligation you have to meet legal compliance requirements. Think about it as making your environment better. People will be more engaged. They will work more happily, understand what they're doing. And you you will have a much more modern, updated system that, that responds more easily to and makes your life easier all around and not just because you're required to have a five-point checklist for, for HIPAA compliance. Right. I mean, it, it is, in some respects, a corporate culture Absolutely. issue. I mean, if you are a customer service-oriented company and that you're you're there to, you know, protect your customers, and I mean, this is obviously some of the things you want to protect, and you want to protect the employees, you know, sometimes against themselves, Right. And and you want to create an environment where employees aren't afraid to tell you that you know I left you know I lost the right. you know the laptop. I mean, you don't want to hear about it two weeks later because that's two weeks of right. time that this data went unprotected. Maybe you could you know do something, or or certainly right. the investigation um, could have been gone two weeks earlier. So yeah, there there are a lot of lot of good aspects to that and and maybe to um, transition right to to the next big item 
in on that list, it's not just employees. The other serial offenders are the the third party vendors that you right. deal with, and and vendor selection is a huge issue. And uh, we've all now heard ad nauseum the the target breach scenario that was really through the HVAC provider that marched into a system that gave them access. I mean, it was a very sophisticated hack, don't get me wrong, but they just marched. They had broader access rights than they needed, and if they had not had those, the the whole breach could have been drastically reduced in scope. Right. I mean, and, you know, we get asked the question, well, if we outsource everything, does that sort of protect us? It can. It, I mean, there, there are certainly instances where... A third-party cloud provider's security is going to be vastly superior to to what your little mom-and-pop shop can offer at home when you don't really, your computer system hasn't been upgraded in, in ages, right? But at the same time, there comes responsibility with this. Just by outsourcing, your responsibility does not go away. You have to make sure you thoroughly vet your uh, cloud um, provider, you have to make sure that you know how to get your information back when you need it. You have to make sure you keep operational. Outsourcing can be a tremendous, tremendous resource, but it can also just exponentially increase your risk. Right. I, it's Last week, uh, one of the FTC commissioners, uh, Terrell McSweeney, was speaking at a privacy conference, and she said, you know, we do hold people accountable for the actions of their vendors. So it just because you've outsourced it and you've outsourced it to a reputable company does not necessarily end your own um, responsibility. Um, one quote attributed to her um, was, if it's truly a situation where a vendor has misled you and you have no idea and there was really a lot of good compliance and testing and understanding of policies, on your end, I think that's going to be a very close call for us. Notice she didn't even say that <laughs> that's, that's necessarily a safe harbor. But she goes on to say, but if it is a situation where you should have known what was happening, that may be a different situation. So merely outsourcing it, yes, it can help. As Christina said, they, they may be more sophisticated, and certainly this is their business. Um, but you can't, you can't just outsource right. and then forget about it. Right. And, and clearly anybody who has ever tried to negotiate <laughs> an outsourcing agreement, especially cloud storage, will realize that it's not that easy to get the information and it's even harder to impose your terms, especially in a disparity of powers there. If you're the small five one gig cloud (laughs) rack space holder, then you're not really going to get Amazon to really listen to your concerns about how your data should be separated. But if it's that crucial to what you do, maybe you just cannot outsource it under certain circumstances. Maybe there needs to be a server on site, its own firewall, and you just need to protect it with your life. Yeah, can you tell that Christina negotiates these types of contracts? <laughs> um, but, I, you know, and it does bring up uh, uh, an interesting point. I mean, the bigger you are, the you know, in some respects, the more one would expect you would devote resources to protecting. That doesn't get you off the hook just because you're a small player. Um, and again, if you're a small player that holds PII, and just 
so people know it's personally identifiable information, then you're going to have to, you know, expend the resources necessary to protect it. And if you can't stay in business by doing so, that that could be a problem. But I'm not sure that that's going to be any good defense to yeah, not not at all <laughs> to and not engaging right, in it. Right. No, you definitely have to to put in the the time and effort. And uh, I, I guess that that brings us to to another of my favorite healthcare items, which is negotiating business associate agreements. A lot of, uh, I think it now goes hand in hand with a lot of the vendor agreements. Anytime you outsource and that vendor has access to whatever protected health information you hold as a covered entity, you will be signing a business associate agreement. I mean, we as law firms, I just negotiated one last week where we had to, we were getting medical information and we're acting as a, a business associate. And oh, that's lovely. It, yeah, it's, it hits just because you're not working in the healthcare arena per se doesn't mean you, you can ignore what's going on with HIPAA and particularly the business associate agreements. Well, that's... That's scary. Um, <laughs> Lovely I, thought, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, I remember a few years ago when we had to change our, you know, put the tagline at the end of our email about IRS and, you right. know, and stuff like that. Now, you know, who knew that we're, we were a business associate under yep. the HIPAA laws. But, yep, uh, we can be. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that will probably be a subject for a, a, a different podcast. But I guess, so to sum up, basically, you know, healthcare data breaches certainly share a lot of same qualities as others and the same concerns but the it it seems the game is ratcheted up a little bit right because you're such a lovely lovely target you just pretty much have the big x on your forehead right because the information you're holding is one so valuable and then shockingly a lot of the healthcare providers have not quite caught on to where the current developments are going they're their networks tend to be woefully underprotected. So that makes it easy to get in and then even get the bonus of getting more valuable information. Right. I mean, you know, doctor's offices, you know. Doctors are the worst offenders, I'm telling you. Right. I mean, you know, and, and if they're not protected by, and if they're not associated with a bigger institution that, that you know, brings them under their own uh, right. coverage, um, you know, I look. I my accountant, who's in a small firm, uh, he was hacked. I mean, I got a notice from him, uh, wow. and uh, you know, it was very discreet. I don't think they got my information, but nevertheless, I mean, you know, it, it's not just you know the Price Waters and Coopers of the world. Right. It's it's you know it's everyone, and it could be your internist, right. um, yeah, depending on what the hacker wants to do with the information. Right, and hopefully nobody dislikes you enough to hack into your pacemaker. Insulin pumps, I mean, there, there's a lot more risk associated with just your information getting out there. Right, because now they know, you know, what healthcare procedures or what things they can affect of yours because right. they know what you're doing. Right. Right. Well, on that lovely note... Uh, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but really, on a, on, a, on a more positive note, if you, if you, if you do take the precautions right. and, and you do let us help you devise a, a, a response plan and the like, and then you know, we don't put our heads in the sand, we can minimize the, the effects 
again, it's probably, unfortunately, I think everyone will tell you it's not if, but when. Um, but at the same time, your the the effort you put in now right. will pay off on the back end. The mitigation piece is crucial in all of this. Right. So, um, and we're here to help <laughs> and whenever you like. Um, this is Jay Levine, your uh, host of Antitrust Law Source. You can reach me at the letter J, L-E-V-I-N-E, at porterright.com. You could also reach me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at J-A-Y-L-L-E-V-I-N-E. And you can reach Christina at... You can reach me at um, porterright, at my porterright email address. That's C-H-U-L-T-S-C-H at porterright.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter, C-H-U-L-T-S-C-H underscore E-S-Q to make sure everybody knows I'm a lawyer. That's the firm <laughs> who came up with that. Just so everybody knows, right, they, they, right. they made everybody use those type of handles, but I had mine before I joined the firm, so I got grandfathered in. But uh, thank you very <laughs> much, Christina. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks Have a great day, everybody. Porter Wright Morrison Arthur LLP offers this content for informational purposes only as a service for our clients and friends. This content is not intended as legal advice for any purpose and you should not consider it as such. All rights reserved.